Well, good morning. It's a blessing to be here. Uh, Ricky called me uh, courageous. I'm not sure if that's quite the right word. Um, maybe stupid is a better word. Uh, but at least uh, we're going to look at music this weekend. And like Ricky said, that there's a lot of different opinions, and I have opinions too. And so uh, we're here together to learn. And what I'd really like to do is not necessarily say, okay, this group's okay, this group is not. This style is okay, and this is not. That's not necessarily my point as much as getting us to think and to think about where's this music coming from? What is the message coming through? Is it consistent? Does it please God? So as we begin, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5. And I'd like to kind of base this weekend upon these, me- uh, these, these verses. This morning, to begin with, just kind of an introduction about music and, and the basis for our choices. Ephesians 5, I struggle to exactly know how much to read here. Let's start in verse 6. Ephesians 5, verse 6. So we'll go down to verse 20. Let no man deceive you. And by the way, as we read these verses... Think about what this, these verses are saying in the context of music, okay? We often think about lots of other things in life as we read these verses, but let's think about music in particular as we read these verses. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord, walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always, always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'll just stop reading there. So we've got a, what can be a controversial subject. And when a subject's controversial, it's easy not to even bring it up. But we're going to bring it up here this weekend. So it, this takes some courage. And as I said, we all have opinions. We all have preferences. We come at music differently. We have a different musical ear. Certain... Types of music or certain things kind of ring our musical bell. And we're we're just different. And I think there's some room for differences. So I have a lot of ground to cover. Uh, This is a subject that affects a lot of us very deeply. Is music important to you? That's a question to answer. Uh, It's very important to me. Now, I have talked to people who say, well... Music's not a big deal. You know, he, he can go several days without listening to any. And I'm, I'm like, really? I can go to bed at night with a song in my head and wake up 
the next morning, and it's still there. Uh, music is very important to me. In fact, there's, there's many days that in the morning I choose, let's see, what, what's a good song to, I can put in my head for the day? And there it is. Now, maybe you're different, but music is very important to, to most of us. And affects us very deeply. So, when you heard that the, the subject was music, what went through your mind? That'd be interesting to know. I would guess that at least some of us, if, if you're like me anyway, some of the things that might have went through my mind, if I would be sitting where you are this morning, listening to the preacher, I would be thinking, you know, I wonder what he's going to say. I wonder what he's going to say about the music that I like. We all have opinions. But like I said, what I'd like to do this morning, or this weekend, is to just take an honest look at music and get us to think. To think. You know, when we choose music, how do you choose it? Often in the, my past, I've often chosen music just, this is what I like. It's sort of like, uh, do you like cake or broccoli? You choose because of what you like. And obviously our preferences and the things we like is important. God made us that way. But I think there needs to be more to choices than just what I in my flesh like. We need to think. We need to consider. And that's what I'd like for us to do this, this weekend. If I would stand up here and say, give you all a list of things, this, these are proper and these are not. Uh, very quickly it would become, well, that's your opinion, I have my opinion. I'm not sure that would be all that profitable. Now, I will say that this weekend my preferences are going to come out, and I don't know how, that's just the way it is. And if you were up here, your preferences would come out. So it's going to come out. Um, but really what matters is what does God think about music? And I would challenge us all to be honest and to carefully consider why the music that I like is what I like. Why is it my favorite? Can I honestly say that God approves? Why is it that I can say that my music is right? So, let me tell you a story about my brother Merle. I don't think he's here this morning. So, I um, will ask him for forgiveness rather than permission. Now, actually, you may have already heard this story. It would be just like him to tell it. So he, he's a guy like me, enjoys nature, likes to go out in the woods. And one day, this is many years ago, he's out in the woods, following a little creek, and I can see in my mind exactly what he's talking about, because I've been there, over on the farm. Beautiful little creek, peaceful setting, a beautiful spot in the woods. And he gets thirsty, and here's the creek. And what would a country boy do? He'd get a drink, right? He's not squeamish, he's not scared of a few, you know, leaves and lizard here and there. So he gets a drink, and it was good. And he continues his walk up the, up the creek. He's a country boy. And then he sees something in the creek, and he says, what is that? And he gets closer, and oh, there's a dead cow in the creek, upstream from where he just drank. 
And it had been dead a long time, okay? And I won't get graphic here, but there's gunk floating downstream, there's maggots everywhere, and the stench is awful. You know, he didn't want that drink anymore, and neither would you. And I tell that little story just to give us a perspective of what this weekend maybe could be like for us. How about in music, let's take a little walk upstream and see what's there. Where is this coming from? What is the message coming through? What is the purpose? How is it affecting me? Which way does this music take me? Which direction is it going? And if you find out that there's maggots in the creek, then you better look at it for a different creek in your music. Or if you find that the creek is, is coming out of the, the, the spring, and it's fresh, it's pure, it's untainted, it's not filthy with anything, then you can be encouraged and, and rest and yeah, be assured that this, is, this pleases God. So I would see this weekend as a time of walking upstream. Let's see where this is coming from. Will you take a walk with me this weekend? I invite you to. Now, God is not silent on the subject of music. We can't turn to a chapter and verse that gives us every instruction about how music should be. But God is not silent on the subject of music. In fact, if you would take time to look in the introductory notes of your songbook there on your pew, uh, John D. Martin wrote in there, God sings, exclamation mark. And it's true. God loves music. In fact, God invented music. So as we think about music for us, for you and I, it matters what God thinks about music. Is God okay with all kinds of music? What's appropriate for him? And as I said, as your speaker this weekend, I cannot approach a subject like this without somehow sharing my personal opinions. It's just the way it is. And I don't think you could either. We all have these, we could call it glasses on with tint. And that's the way we see life. And I'm not sure that we can remove all the tint because we all have uh, backgrounds, culture things, all affect uh, how we see things in life, and music is no exception. But we also have blind spots, and we have ways that we can encourage one another and challenge one another. So I hope, I sincerely hope, that as we tackle this subject of music, there will not be defensive walls built up in, in your heart or mine as we approach this subject. So some of the things I will share will be preferences. I'll just be honest to admit that. But as you listen, let's be f committed to being fair and honest. And if I step on somebody's toes, and I probably will, it would surprise me if I wouldn't. But if I step on somebody's toes, would you be willing to consider what we're talking about? Even if we don't agree 100%, I hope we can at least go home from this weekend loving each other and learning from each other. Because I may not always be right. You know, I don't know everything. I, know, I don't know a lot of things, actually. So, let's begin. What is the purpose for music? And if we know what the purpose for music is, that helps us 
in the choices that we make about music. So I don't know how you would answer that question. What is the purpose for music? And I won't take time to expound on this point, but I would say, first of all, the purpose for music is to worship and glorify God. In fact, we read about that in the, the scriptures that we just read in, in the verses, Ephesians 5 verse 10, notice that, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Now, it doesn't mention music, but some things are acceptable to the Lord and some things are not. All right, verse 19 Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. What's a spiritual song? That's a debate. And I think if you look that word up, I believe the, what that word means, spiritual songs, means non-carnal. Non-carnal. And I hope we, we get that point. Non-carnal. Making melody in your heart to the Lord. That's the purpose for music. The first purpose. So I believe God gave us music to enjoy. And it affects us deeply. And that's often what we think about the purpose for music being. But I think number one is for God's glory. And if it's for God's glory, that helps us tremendously in choosing what good music is. Because if it's to give him glory, then it may be a different choice than what my flesh would want. So if God created music, then God has the right and the privilege to say how music ought to be. So why does my music choices matter? Well, we could uh, list a lot of things, a few of the things that I thought about why music choices matter is because music affects us deeply. And many times it affects us deeply in ways that are subtle. They're not easily seen. I think music choices matter because music is a moral issue. And we'll talk about that some more. Music tends to push us in a direction. It has great influence. Music choices matter because Satan is involved in music. We all know that. Heavily involved, actually. Music can affect our spiritual progress, growth, or the lack thereof. So the choices that we make matter. Music is communication of a message. And so it matters. Music can have a very tight and strong grip on us. Music touches our hearts and reveals who, what's inside and who we are and what we love. And what we habitually listen to, we give our heart to. So why does my music choices matter? Well, it's because of the law of reproduction. Jesus said that a bad tree produces bad fruit. And a good tree produces good fruit. So we need to look, honestly look at the, what, what my music grows on my tree. We tend to become like what we listen to and what we love. Music has motive and message. I think music matters because music is one of the most effective message bear, uh, bearers that man has ever known. Music has the power to bypass the, 
the mind and affect the emotions and the will. And so because of that power, music choices need to be handled with care. Music is a symptom of what we are and who we are. It reveals my heart and my love. And finally, and most important of all, music matters because it matters to God. So I'm not here to talk about me, but I've had shoulder surgery three times, okay? Not a life-threatening situation, but certainly a life-changing situation. And is each time, in fact, I'm facing another one possibly in, in a few months. But that's beside the point. It was a scary thing for me, and still is, because of the pain that's involved. I have four pins in one shoulder, holding the tendon to the bone. I have six in the other, and possibly more surgery ahead. And the reason I tell you that is because, quite frankly, I was scared of the pain. I dreaded it, and I dread it again. And I don't consider myself an emotionally fragile person. But I've had some fragile moments because of that. The reason I bring this up is because a few days, each time I've had surgery, a few days before, I sit down and I write out some songs that are an encouragement to me. Songs like, and here's some of the titles, Sweet Peace, The Gift of God's Love. Another one, Like a River Glorious, is God's Perfect Peace. You understand why I wrote those songs down? There is a place of quiet rest near to the heart of God. I camped on that song. When peace like a river, and so on. Great is thy faithfulness. Why did I write those songs down and want those songs in my head as I went through this whole process? Why were those songs such an encouragement when I was struggling and afraid? Because... Those beautiful hymns are essentially God's truth, God's word, what God has said, put to beautiful music. And that was a great, great encouragement to me through those times. Music is powerful. Those songs did something for me that no secular song could ever do. Music is powerful. And I think God intended it to be that way. So... Let's be diligent in our music choices. It matters to God, and I think it ought to matter to us. Someone has said this, one of the most subtle ways of flattering man is to communicate the gospel in a way that he wants rather than a way that he needs. And you think about that. I'll read it again. One of the most subtle ways of flattering man is to communicate the gospel in a way that he wants rather than the way that he needs. I think that applies to music as well. If music was created to worship God, then that makes a difference in our choices. Think about Ananias and Sapphira. We won't go into that story, but you know the story. They died, right? And it's not because of their music choices, but they appeared in their own arrogant and proud way I'm going to do things my way, and they died. So how can we take something like music that was intended to worship God and twist and distort it 
to, to fit my flesh. Fill it with messages from the other kingdom that promote the worship of idols. Will God be pleased with that? I don't think he will. Uh, it's not okay to bring God down to a human level. <clears throat> In the Ten Commandments, four of them are about proper worship. Check it out. Four of the Ten Commandments are about proper worship. So let's apply that thought to music. So the highest calling of the church, as well as in our personal lives, is worship. Missions, good works, raising our families, being honest in our business dealings, all those things are important. They all matter. Even youth rally matters. But our highest calling in life is to worship God. There is no higher calling for our lives to bring Him glory. And as you think about some music, and you don't have to think very far to find music that brings God down to a, a human level. The message of some music could be interpreted either as a love song, like any typical secular song of the world, or as Jesus being my lover. Is Jesus my lover? Now, Scripture tells us that uh, Jesus is the bridegroom waiting for his bride, and the church is the bride. But the Bible never speaks of Jesus as being a boyfriend or a lover in a sensual way. Imagine with me the scene at the tomb when Jesus, after Jesus arose, okay? So Mary Magdalene comes, and she's, the stone's rolled away. Remember that story. And she's crying, and Jesus appears, and she thinks that he's the gardener. And, you know, woman, why are you crying? And she says, if, if you've taken him away, tell me where you've put him, and I'll, I'll take care of it. And she, and he, he says, Mary, and she recognizes him. What if... Mary would say, hey, baby, where you been, lover boy? I've missed you. That sounds sacrilegious to me, and it is. No, that's not what she said. That attitude of bringing the Holy One down to a human level, an essential level at that. No, Jesus said, Mary, and Mary said, Master, and she worshipped him. Thomas did the same thing, doubting Thomas, the, the disciple, when he seen Jesus, my Lord and my God. Too much of the available music today that's supposed to be worshipping God, if you think about it, is actually full of self-indulgence and made into a human entertainment event. It's about the performance, it's about the skill, it's about the connection to the flesh. It's about feeding the itching ears of the paying public rather than truly worshiping a holy God. And it doesn't matter what kind of music it is, whether it's pop or classical or choral or anything else, if it brings an irreverent uh, attitude into the relationship with a holy God, then something's wrong here with this picture. 
Verse 10 again, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. That has the idea of examining, testing, scrutinizing to see if this is worthy or not. Are my, is our music choices excellent? Or do we spend some time in the, in the music gray area? Again, think about the, the cow in the creek. Not a good place to take a drink. Well, let me make, make the same point a different way. So I'm a preacher, right? And one of the things I do is public speaking. It's not, of course, all that a preacher does, but it's one of them. And I would really like to be able to communicate well so that you as a listener, you get what I'm saying, right? And that takes work. That takes effort. Some people are better at it than others. Comes more natural than others. But all of us can, if we have that kind of responsibility of public speaking, we can learn to do it better. So I'm going to pretend something this morning. This is really not what I do, but I'm going to pretend that I would like to uh, take some speak public speaking tips and techniques from Adolf Hitler. That would be a terrible thing to do. But Hitler was an excellent speaker, I'm told. He would um, have someone photograph him while he was practicing his speeches. He would, he would edit his speeches himself and practice them. And evidently was a very effective speaker. He practiced how to use his voice, how to use all the hand gestures and the pauses. And, you know, he, he worked at it. And the German people followed him. It said in Germany in those days, <clears throat> when there was a speech on the radio, the streets were empty. Everyone was inside listening to their leader. So, if I would actually be studying his techniques, would you be interested in having me come to speak? Now, I can promise that I'm just studying his techniques. I'm not studying about gas chambers and the Holocaust and, and you know, getting rid of people that I don't like. But I would hope that if I would come here and you found out that I was studying Hitler's speaking techniques, I'd hope you'd tell me to go home. Because eventually, the, the message, the heart of the speaker comes out. So I would hope that you would run me off. Well, Hitler did some good things, and he did. What if I'd argue that? He loved art paintings, for example. Of course, he stole them out of museums, but he loved art paintings. He started an anti-smoking campaign. That's a good thing. He authorized extensive research on cancer. Nazi labor laws were among the best in the world at the time, unless you were Jew in, in, in Siberia somewhere, working in a concentration camp. But for the German people, the Nazi labor laws were some of the best in the world at that time. Working hours, required breaks during working hours, paid holidays, these are all things that were important to Hitler. He promoted superhighways and still people benefit from the Autobahn today. Unemployment was unheard of in Germany. Inflation, all-time low. Hitler done some good things, a few of them. And I can argue that, but I should not be studying Hitler's speaking techniques. 
his philosophy, his intentions, his selfishness, his purpose, his ambitious, self-serving goals would impact me as I studied him and as I brought a message to you that could also affect you, is my point. So can we apply that thought to our music choices? Again, we're walking upstream to see if there's a dead cow in it or if it's pure. So, <clears throat> thinking about your personal music, okay? Do you know what the beliefs are of those people who produce it? Now, we can say, well, there's no way I can know that. And that, that would be true in some cases. We cannot see the, into the hearts of people. But you young people today have more access to more information than any other generation that has ever been in the history of the world. Of course, not everything you see online is true. I understand. But you can go to a group, music group's website. You can check out their... their um, concerts and uh, all those kinds of things, interviews and so on. There's a lot you can learn about who these people are, what they believe, what their intention is in life. What about their philosophy? What is their purpose in producing their music? How serious are they about serving God? Are they free to mix the world and the kingdom of Christ? Now, I'm not saying at all this morning that there can't be a few good songs in the middle of a bunch of questionable stuff. I understand. But what I am saying is that it is helpful to know, to try to, to, to grasp where this music is coming from. What's upstream from what is obvious. <clears throat> so is music a moral issue? Some people would say, well, music's neither right nor wrong. Is that true? I believe that music has moral implications. And we know that lyrics in a song matter. And that message in the lyrics needs to honor God. But I believe that the music itself that accompanies, accompanies the, those lyrics need to assist those lyrics to bringing the message, the, the proper message. If there's a conflict, then there's a problem. In other words, the message in the words and the message in the music need to complement and match each other. All right, Matthew chapter 5, quickly turn to a few verses. The words of Jesus. Matthew 5, verses 29 and 30. Matthew 5, 29. If the right hand, sorry, if the right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and that not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. If the right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. Chapter 6, verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot, ye cannot serve God and mammon. Chapter 12, 
25. <clears throat> Matthew 12, 25. And Jesus knew their thoughts. I think this was the Pharisees. Uh, and he said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought into desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. So we're thinking about mixing the kingdom, the two kingdoms. And this morning, some of you have already seen this, but this morning I brought a little illustration here to help us picture this. We know there's only two kingdoms, right? And we either belong to one or the other. So I have here uh, a bottle of pure water. Just got it at the store the other day. It's fresh. It's never been opened. Um, it says it's pure water. And I'm sure that it is. And it is. Good stuff. <clears throat> so, that bottle of water illustrates music for us, okay? Pure stuff. This is good. Like the blood of Jesus can do for our sins when we turn to Him. Then... We have that. Coke is probably the most recognized drink in the world. But I'll just be honest with you, that's not Coke. This bottle has been opened and has used motor oil in there because I put it in there. Okay? So the label says it's Coke, but it's not Coke. It's not good for you. From where you're, you're sitting, that may, it may be even hard for some of you to see. But that probably looks like Coke, but it's not Coke. Now, which of them would you like to drink? We know the answer to that. If that would actually be Coke, then you could drink Coke. It may not be as good for you as water, but it would be a lot better than oil, right? So, we would be the healthiest I'll make a mental note of this. We'll be healthiest if we stick closer to water. All right? What would happen if you drank that used motor oil? Well, if you, you'd probably get sick. And if you drank enough of it, you, it would kill you. So which one of those would you like to drink? And we all know the answer to that. So here's our music choice. There's the good, the pure, and there's the nasty. And in our choices, that's pretty stark. That's pretty opposite. But that's not always how it is in life as we face uh, choices. There's often mixtures, and I have one of those too. Now, I don't know if you can see that from where you're at or not. But that's a mixture of pure water and used motor oil. Now that 
looks pretty nasty to me, even the water. But when I put it in there, it was pure. Mixed music. What about that? That's probably, for us, is probably the bigger question. Usually it's not so much the stark contrast between the pure and the nasty as much as it is the issue of the mixed. And that's sometimes difficult to, to figure out exactly where the line is. Now, there's a line there in that bottle between the water and the oil. Now, the longer that sits there, the less defined that line is. It begins to something happen in there. And I'm sure that, that water in the bottom of that bottle is contaminated. So if you would take that mixed bottle, pour it in your car, because it's oil, right? It's not the best for it, because you shouldn't be pouring oil in your motor. Neither would your stomach be happy if you poured that in it. So the pure, the evil, and the mixed. This is obviously oversimplified, but I'm just getting, trying to get us to think. Oil and water do not mix, so if I would take that and shake it up, it would look kind of brown and nasty looking, but we could say it's mixed, but it's really not. Eventually, they'll separate because they don't go together, and neither does the things of the two different kingdoms. How can we take what is nasty Mix it with the pure and think we've got something good, is my point. Many people do that with music. Pour oil in the water or water in the oil. And it doesn't work. We're talking about two totally different directions. Different purposes. Different emphasis. Different kings. There's no way to balance that kind of opposite. Is there such a thing as Christian drugs? Is there such a thing as Christian adultery? Is there such a thing as Christian gambling or Christian murder? And the answer is no. You, you can't just balance that. And we could talk about Christian rock, Christian rap, Christian death metal, all those mixtures. What about that? Now let's do something different. I have a little dropper here. I'm going to take a drop of motor oil and put it in my pure water, all right? Who would like a drink? I'm going to risk it just because. It tastes just like it did. Drop of oil in the pure water. Floats on the top. Hasn't reached the bottom yet. I'm sure that it's good oil. See what we can do with our music choices? 
Will that oily scum harm me? But eventually, if I keep doing this, I'm going to get oil. And by that time, and thinking about music choices, by that time, I start getting oil in my mouth. I may not know the difference. I'm accustomed to it. And I even can get through the place where I'm drinking mostly oil, thinking musically, of course. But it only took one drop, and nobody wanted that drink anymore. And the reason I risked it, because I knew that oil floats. But the label says, pure water, perfect taste. The label does not list used motor oil as an ingredient. But you saw me put it in there. We all know it's in there. What if I'd, it was deadly poison, I'd put one drop in there. Would I risk it? I probably wouldn't. But I've had oil and gasoline and such things in my mouth before by accident. It's just what happens when you do mechanic work and stuff like that sometimes. But one drop of oil, nobody wanted that drink anymore. Think about your music choices in that illustration and the mixes that are possible. Let's be discerning. Which bottle does your music come from? Now, now we don't have a pure example up here anymore because it's been contaminated. All right, it's moving on. Think about the question of what drives the production of music. Okay, so I'm an amateur, very amateur, by the way, amateur musician. All right, I enjoy producing music. If you were a singer or a musician, what would you imagine, why would people buy your music? Now, I would probably, if you're a singer or a musician, you've probably had thoughts like this, you know, being on a stage somewhere and everybody just loves your music, whatever it is. I would like to think that my creativity, my skill, whatever, those kinds of things would drive people to buy my music. That would prompt me to uh, produce music. I think that would be true in many ways. But earning a living as a musician is not easy, especially an unknown musician. Sure, the famous musician gets a ridiculous salary, but not the unknown one. It's much like any other job. You do what you do, what you have to, to pay the bills. You can't sell somebody what they don't want. And there are many, many, many skilled, very skilled musicians and singers who are just barely making it or who are performing music on the side, and their, their real job is paying the bills. So let me tell you about a man I met one day. We're flying from, uh, I think, Raleigh-Durham to Fort Worth, Texas. It's been a number of years ago. As we got on the plane, here's a guy carrying a guitar case. And I picked up on that because I, I like things like that. And so we get on the, on the plane, my wife's seat was way in the front, and I happened to be seated way in the back. It's just the way it was, not my choice, but that's what we did. I go to the back of the plane, there's the guy with the guitar, I'm sitting beside it, okay? So we strike up a conversation, shook his hand, we just connected. Nice, super nice guy. His name was Peter Moore. 
And we got to talking about guitars and, and music and, you know, techniques. And we had a great time. And after a while, I discovered mm, his music is a lot different than I like. But he was a nice guy. We talked about music. And uh, after a while, uh, he, he, I, I dozed off, I think it was, and he pulled out a book, and I noticed he's reading a book and taking notes, something serious, you know. Then I discovered he's reading a book about Buddha, something about Buddha, and he's taking notes. So anyway, we got to talking about religion a little bit. He didn't, really didn't want to talk about it. But uh, I said, well, I'm a pastor from Virginia, and he looked at me, he said, yeah, I can see that. You, you care about people. Well, I don't know about all that, but uh, we had a, a good conversation. I discovered that he was not an amateur musician. This was a professional guy. Spent six months of the year touring the world with his music, and the other six months of the year practicing music, writing music, recording music, and he was flying to Fort Worth, Texas to visit his parents for Christmas. So we had a great time. And we talked about um, producing music. And he kept talking about the big break, the big break. And I said, what, what are you talking about? He says, oh, well, you know, it's, it's tough making a living with playing music. It's really, really hard to do. You really have to be either very good or somebody famous notice you. And the big break for him was a producer that heard his band, the Peter Moore band, by the way, you can look it up there online, um, a Big, famous producer discovered the Peter Moore Band and began to record the music and to uh, get it known. That was the big break, and they began to actually succeed in, in producing music. So, why am I telling you this story? Because money, unfortunately, drives the production of music in a lot of cases. It's not like what as a musician would, would want. I would like to produce music because I love producing music. But when the dollar bill has to be earned, sometimes you do what you have to do. There's a lot of pressure on musicians to produce. And the world is oversaturated with music. And if you're going to stand out as a musician... You had got to be very good or have a producer that, a marketing technique or something to be noticed. It costs a lot of money to produce music. Now, I, you know, I haven't done lots and lots of research. I know you can go to the local uh, recording place and, and produce something. And, but I'm talking about on a large scale, to produce something in a large scale for the public to buy takes a lot of money. Andrew White's another uh, fairly successful singer-songwriter from New Zealand, and this is what he wrote. Um, he writes that in order to get a quality recording done, get your music produced by a well-known producer and get your music out to the public, it may take ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000. And that comes out of your pocket. Or the producer may do that for you, and then you pay him back with your music sales. And $20,000 a CD at a time, or however they do that, it's hard. It's really hard. So why do I say all that? The whole point here is that musicians are under a lot of pressure 
to produce what the public wants. And if you don't have what they want, you won't sell. And if you don't sell, you won't survive. And my point is that we have to just remember that money drives music, at least in some cases. So remember that when you're thinking about a popular CCM hit, or any kind of music for that matter. Producers are aiming for your flesh so that they will sell something to you. We're almost out of time here. We're going to do something. I'm going to play a few music clips for you to listen to. And what I'm calling these is music dilemmas. And I'm not asking for answers. I'm not sure what the answer is, actually. Getting us to think. Sam, man, are we ready? Presley. Is that okay? Elvis the pelvis, famous for the way he twists his body around, died of a apparent drug over, overdose in the night in 1977, I think it was. Back in the six, actually Elvis learned to sing in church, if I remember the story right, and his music went downhill. But back in the 60s, he, he produced, recorded some, some hymns, some albums with hymns, and that's one of them, How Great Thou Art. Is that okay? Now let's jump ahead 50 years. Same song, by the way. Josh Turner, famous country music star. Is that okay? Beautiful song. Nothing wrong with those words. It's a song I've sang all my life. I read an article about Josh Turner, and I'm not being critical. I don't know the man. 
This article said that Josh Turner is a devout Christian family man, and maybe he is. Don't want to pass any judgment on his, his sincerity. And I'm not just picking on Josh Turner. I'm just picking an example on how to be Josh. Trying to get us to think. Josh Turner also sings, and I quote directly from a couple of his songs, popular songs about a girl being eye candy and how her kisses ain't nutritious, but they're delicious. What about his sincerity? I'm getting, trying to get us to think. He also sings about his girl ditching him for another man. So a talented and popular man, he just recorded that in, I think it's 2018 or 17, something like that, uh, recorded a beautiful piece of music that worship God, how great thou art. Is that consistent? Is that okay? Which bottle is that coming from? Now, the music itself, we could say, that sounds great. Well, what about the life behind it? See, we're walking upstream to seeing what's there. Same song, different group. Oh, Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the world thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout. Who is it? Maybe you don't want to say because it's like, oh, I wonder what he listens to. Somebody knows who it is. Pentatonics. Is that okay? It's a group, I think. I'm just not picking on them, but I think have a couple of gay members, openly gay, support lesbian and gay rights. Can you sing a song about how great God is while shaking a fist in his face? I'm going to do life my way. Think about that. Which bottle is that? There's many other music dilemmas I could think about, that we could think about. What about the, the, the music that the Beatles recorded back in the 60s? We listen to that today, huh, that sounds pretty tame, sounds kind of like folk music. But in those days, their music shocked many people because it was about rebellion and doing my own thing. There's many, many, many dilemmas we could talk about. And you can fit your own dilemma into that category. What about the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, for example? have very different belief system than we do, and so on. I'm not saying what all should be done with these music dilemmas. I just want us to think. Carefully consider what's upstream and what bottle you're drinking from.